Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. Um, today, I want to talk a little bit about a very specific topic around investing. And I want to talk about another scarce type of asset, which you've probably all heard me talk about Bitcoin at nauseum. But I want to switch gears and talk about something else, which is farmland. So the backstory for those that don't know, I was raised as a farming kid in rural Indiana. My parents had a row crop, which we'll get into more later, which was soybean, corn, and wheat, and a hog farm. So my dad quit farming when I was 12 and got out of that business, which that's a completely interesting side tangent story of working with family and the challenges. And we can save that for another day. Um, and I only know portions of that entire saga. But yet my parents were able to retire. And now I will admit they're extremely frugal, frugal to the point where frugal is probably the nicer term there. They're just extremely tight with their money, but they were able to retire young and RV around the country due to having, you know, wonderful, consistent income from cash rent from owning farm ground. So my dad started buying and investing farmland at 16. And he, again, grew up in a farming family. And when he had it paid off in his late 50s, there was enough annual income where he could retire. They don't really have much saved in like the traditional kind of stocks, bonds, um, public market portfolio. So I've seen what kind of other, a lot of times get referred to as alternative asset classes can play a big role. I know commercial and rental real estate is a topic that I've heard a lot of people talk about when they say passive income, passive income. And I've had, you know, successful real estate investor, Michael Bug on the episode uh, number 85 for those that are interested. And also uh, another guest, Dr. Phil Zeltzman is a big real estate investor as well. Both have had tremendous success, super smart guys. Um, and there's some major differences in farmland and commercial slash multifamily investing. The biggest being that most farms are not using a lot of leverage or borrowed money like other real estate deals are. The returns are maybe a little bit more modest, but provide a really completely different return characteristic and dynamic. Also very diversifying between the both of them. You can own both and they will do different things. Farmland is estimated to be at about 14% debt into a deal. So 100% being a lot of it is going to be um, money down um, or other things where it's not debt finance, where most commercial real estate, you know, 75% of the deal is debt. It's a big difference between the two. That doesn't mean farmland doesn't have strong returns though. Historically, since tracking um, from Bloomberg and the National Council of Real Estate Investment Fiduciaries, in 1991, farmland has never had a down year, averaging 11.5% returns with extremely low volatility, which is a financial jargon term that I hate, um, but it just means like the up and down fluctuation. So it's pretty consistently and steady. Um, and there's data going back from the USDA back into the 1960s that shows that farmland has had negative years, but it has only been five out of the last 50. So if you factor in income received, the worst return you would have had during the 1985 to 1987 farm crisis would have been a negative 3%. If you would have held that, now part of that crisis was people used a lot of leverage. So going back to the example of um, commercial real estate, part of the reason why there's not a leverage in in farmland today is because people used a lot of leverage back then and got burned. So as long as you didn't use too much leverage and get washed out, um, your worst return was really kind of that negative three. So really interesting return dynamics there where you have a strong kind of call it stock like return at 11 and a half, but you don't have that volatility um, as well. The other beautiful thing, farmland is a great diversifier to stocks and bonds. The correlation, again, another financial jargon term, but basically moves with. So it's going to be moving with, against, or just uncorrelated. The correlation between the U.S. stock market and farmland is an R of 0.03. So said differently, there is zero statistical evidence that the stock market prices influence farm prices or vice versa. Dot-com bust, right? financial crisis, COVID-19 crash, farmland was unimpacted and kept on churning. 
So it's completely outside of the traditional financial system. And that is something that makes for a really nice investment class, right? A really good asset class that you want to maybe wake up and pay attention to. Farmland has proven to be a unique asset class that delivers superior returns with relatively less risk or volatility when compared to other options. If you look at a metric called risk-adjusted returns, which looks at the volatility and the returns together, farmland is hard to beat. It also adds resilience and robustness to returns when added to a portfolio. So if anyone's ever heard me talk about investing, I talk about ingredients and I'll talk about analogies like baking chocolate chip cookies and all the different ingredients. You have your chocolate chips and your butter and your sugar and all these different things. This is just one of the ingredients and it really does fantastic on its own but it looks even better when you combine it into a portfolio. So there's a reason why we, um, as a firm, so kind of my day job working at Vincere Wealth Management, we've allocated for farmland and advocated for it for clients for several years. I'll share more about later on where you can go and buy, understand how it fits, all that other stuff. But for now, let's just keep talking about farmland itself. The other great thing that farmland can do is what's called liability matching, which is provide income from a rental component and have capital appreciation from rising land values to allow someone to have a real asset to combat inflation and earn income today. So let's say, you know, Hey, I need to make X for so many years. Um, I can invest in this farmland. I know that I'm going to have, um, this cash rent that's coming along. It's great. I also get my money back. That's fantastic. Um, as you know, inflation, according to CPI that came out in October of 2021, depending on when you're listening to this, it's 6.2%, which is the highest it's been in 30 years. If you listen to my deep dive in episode 106, where I dig into inflation, that is a problem and will be here likely throughout this decade. Scarce assets like Bitcoin. Again, you knew I was going to fold that back in here somewhere. Rental real estate. So kind of commercial. So think multifamily, uh, maybe the veterinary clinic. That's great as well. Or veterinary practices as the business itself and farmland are great offsets to inflationary pressures. I was recently um, down in Bentonville, Arkansas, the home of Walmart for the Acre Trader Summit. And Acre Trader is a partner that we've used and helped clients buy farmland through them. They've been an awesome partner, um, I think, highly of Acre Trader. And what Acre Trader does is uh, crowdsource um, the ability for you to buy fractional pieces of farmland. So instead of needing a couple million dollars to go buy a chunk of dirt, you can own an olive farm in California, pecan orchard in Georgia, corn and soybeans in Indiana, Illinois, and Iowa, and, and that apple orchard in Washington. I've been super impressed with Acre Trader and the mission and the awesome people. Full disclosure, there's no relationship between uh, the podcast, Vincere, Acre Trader. I just simply like what they're doing in the offerings and think it's a fantastic business model. I just want to share a couple different notes, takeaways from my trip, and dive a little bit more into farmland as a potential investment idea for you. One key note to make if you're listening to this today, Acre Trader only allows accredited investors, which means that if you are a single individual making $200,000, you're accredited. If you're a joint household, married, filed jointly, 300,000 or have a net worth north of a million dollars. I hate accreditation rules, candidly. Um, and that's part of, again, talking about Bitcoin, right? Um, that's why it's special because it is open to everyone, but the accreditation rules are what they are. So if you meet those, again, farmland to me makes a lot of sense and you should look into it. If you don't meet those yet, I would still tell you, spend the time and understand what Acre Trader is doing and farmland just in general. So Acre Traders deals range in kind of allocations of $10,000 to $50,000 for various farms. Farms are broken up into row crops, which are soybeans, corn, wheat, rice, and permanent crops, pecans, apples, olives, oranges, almonds, pistachios, avocados, um, right? All kinds of things that are permanent crops. So row crops are replanted each year. Permanent crops, as it says, permanent crops, they're going to be there year after year. 70% of all farmland is row crops and 30% is permanent. So if you like the idea of the indexing approach, so let's say you're, you know, a bogglehead or someone that likes, you know, like VTI or the S&P Y index, 
if you want to just own the market, you would own 70% in row crops and 30% in permanent. And that's a way to think about building out a, a farmland allocation. It's not saying that's the right recommendation. That's just saying if you wanted to own the market, that's what the market is. Quick note, it's also really key to understand that you're separating the land from the farm business here. Land is the asset. Um, the farming is a business. You're not a business owner. You just are a land investor at this part. Row crops are planted annually. You usually have a cash lease, which means you get paid before there's a seed ever planted. So there's not a risk of saying, well, what if there's a bad harvest? Because that might be something you're thinking of. Um, it doesn't matter because you are the landlord and they're paying you regardless. There are things called flex leases, which can be tied to the price of the crop. That can allow you to get a little bit more upside, but it also does expose you to a little risk. Um, most of the deals that I've seen are not flex leases. Permanent crops have more capital needed in the initial investment. So maybe you're buying the trees, you're planting them, and it takes a little while for them to produce fruit. And there could be a couple of years of no returns. That's called like a J-curve in private equity investing. If any of you are familiar, put money in private equity. So you kind of just see it dip down before it goes higher. And the bigger returns come later um, versus immediate where row crops, hey, every year it's replanted, you're going to get income and returns that year. Permanent crops might be longer before you see your money um, coming back in the uh, income category. Now, both have the capital appreciation. So they're going to have the land values going up, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And that just depends on how long you hold it. I will tell you, Acre Trader, a lot of their deals are it's like five to 10 years or you know 10 to 15. So it's going to be a long-term investment, which is actually really good. Because if you look at investor behavior, investors are terrible at holding on to investments that they want to own. And one of the nice things that allows farmland to not be so volatile is it is a hard asset. It's not something that is liquid where you can go trade it and say, hey, I'm going to log into TD Ameritrade today and sell my farmland. It doesn't work like that. Like you have to hold these things longer. So it is illiquid, which means you can't get access to it. I will say uh, AcreTrader did talk about they're building a secondary market to allow for liquidity. So different investors could sell. Let's say you have a farm into year three. All of a sudden you need money. You could sell your farm to someone else that's looking to buy into it. The pricing mechanism, all that other stuff is still to be determined, but that's going to be there. So they are going to try to have some liquidity, but just know if you're going to invest in these things, you need to know that this money is going to be away. You can't touch it and think of it as a long-term investment because that's where you're going to see the returns and that's what truly you want. The other interesting thing about um, permanent crops is 0.3% um, of all acreage in the United States is permanent crops. So it's just a small fraction of what's out there. And you might be asking, hey, what do returns look like? Um, so if you look at yields, so what would you get annually from row crops? Call it 2 to 4%. And then from permanent crops, it's 4 to 10. I've seen them higher, um, but that's probably usually what you're going to see. Um, other ways for them or any farmland investment to earn yield is solar or wind and possibly leasing out hunting rights. Then you have the appreciation of the underlying land itself, which is interesting, something to think about. Um, because it is scarce, um, that makes it really attractive. And when you think about permanent crops, those things like uh, I think a pecan tree, for example, has a, a use life of something like 30 to 40 years. So if you you know plant those trees and you hold it for 15 years, like there's still a long time for that to be there where someone is going to pay up for that producing fruit. So there are a lot of nice things to, to um, enjoy from the idea of just the land appreciation on top of that income. And so it's going to be really region dependent, but that's going to be the biggest driver is the land appreciation. 
Um, one way to think about it again, as I mentioned before, is like a bond substitute. You know it'll be held for you know a certain amount of years. You'll earn a certain percentage of income annually. So mailbox money is kind of the term that they'll use sometimes. And then you'll get your initial investment back, which is similar to a bond. But the beauty is you get the appreciation as well, which you don't get with bonds. So it is a nice thing to think about. And right now, quick note, bonds are likely dead money for the next 10 years for buy and hold investors. Interest rates are so low, they're artificially suppressed. This is getting a little outside of the farmland discussion, but just note, uh, I think farmland could fit nicely here. And if you're a big bond holder, likely gonna feel some pain um, over the next decade. A fun fact about scarcity and what provides the value to the land is that we're losing about three acres of farmland per day in the US. And what is the uh, market for farmland, you might ask? Um, well, first, large pensions and endowments have been buying and buying lots of land. Bill Gates has publicly been buying a ton of farmland and the market is about $3 trillion today. Less than 1% of that's private equity. Um, so that is nice. Uh, I know AcreTrader mentioned they play in the 10 million and less market because there are a lot of opportunities for farmers as they get older. Next generation can't necessarily afford to buy that dirt because it's so expensive. And AcreTrader can come in and kind of go in on a deal with them or just buy it directly back out and then lease it to you know the next generation. But there are a lot of people today that are going to need to sell the average age of a farmland investor or someone that owns that dirt is almost spot on with what my dad's age is which is 65 so there's a lot of people that are going to need to transition that grounds or they're going to pass away and it's going to go up for auction so just something to think about there's some nuanced things to think about when it comes to farms in different parts of the country whether it's the midwest mississippi delta or out west it's a bit much for this podcast um, but what i will say is there's no like mls for homes for good farmland data AcreTrader is building out some really cool stuff there to give a lot more data that they're going to give out for free. Um, but it, right now it's a painful process to find deals, to make deals happen. And it's an old school model where you need boots on the ground to make it happen. But what that means is there's returns to be had in the space because it's not efficient. So anytime you hear like, hey, that's a pain in the ass to allocate to or do something, that's a good thing as an investor because you are going to get outsized returns because it isn't easy. If I can go online and in five minutes have an accountant buy it, um, yeah, that's probably a little bit too easy. Now, AcreTrader does literally make it like a 10 or 15 minute process to do this, but to make those deals happen in the background, that takes more time. There was a really good panel discussion with a lot of great data shared. And one takeaway um, that I really liked, which was a question from the audience was what was the easiest way to lose money in farmland? Because, you know, everyone's talking about how great it is and all these other things, but you know, they certainly were trying to make it a very fair discussion, but their answer was absolutely without a doubt is not doing water analysis. Water is a blessing and a curse that needs to be understood well. You risk buying a farm that can't get water off it or you are choked off from water altogether. Yes, I'm looking at you, California, because that was absolutely brought up multiple, 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 multiple times, California and water issues. The biggest challenge today for farmers, so there was a discussion with actually a couple of the different farmers that have had deals on the platform. Um, the biggest one is labor. Just like in every industry, just like in your you know hospitals and clinics, finding good help is tough. And the other thing is farming is very advanced today and you have to be a businessman or woman that really gets how to run that. It's not as much like just, hey, I can work hard and do this. You really need to understand all the inputs and costs and the technology because it is big business now. Um, so that's really the information and kind of take away the quick overview of farmland. So I guess I'm asking, you know, are you interested in investing in farmland because it's an asset that can provide stock-like returns without that same volatility? And what that does is that helps compound money at a higher rate an asset that has a yield that can pay out that's competitive against inflation. 
Uh, oh, speaking of inflation, it's also a scarce asset that they're not making any more of. You can't just go issue more shares. Um, we're losing, again, three acres of farmland a day in the United States. I know I have some farming blood in my veins, even though I'm so far away from that and cannot envision myself being a farmer, but I am a little biased. I've seen it work, um, and I'm extremely bullish, again, another jargony term from finance, on farmland for the future, and just wanted to share those thoughts with you. There are two places I'd recommend checking out if you're interested. The first is AcreTrader, as I mentioned. Um, there's a couple different reasons. I find their whole entire organization from top to bottom fantastic. I got to know them when they were first getting started. They're blowing up, like they're really like hiring like crazy and are gonna be much, much bigger in the next couple of years. But when they first started, I got connected with them um, because I heard them on a podcast. And so I've known the CEO. I know a lot of the people on the team that have been there since day one. Just a great group of individuals. And the other one is Farm Together. I've chatted with them as well. They seem great. I've gravitated towards AcreTrader as A, I got to know them personally and felt very comfortable. Um, the deals have looked better. And I think the terms as an investor have been more attractive for a variety of reasons. And I will link to both in the show notes. So go and click, check them out. And they have some really good PDFs if you want to read and learn a little bit more about farmland investing just in general. Um, I took a little bit of data from that, but a lot of what I just shared is, is stuff from the um, conference and, and different pieces of just conversations that I've had. So I hope you found that interesting and let me know if there's any questions on the topic. And again, check it out, learn a little bit. Even if you can't invest in farmland today, just understand what it is and how it can work from a investment standpoint, I think can be really powerful. So a little bit different take today and one that's very specific, but hopefully you enjoyed that and hopefully you learned a little something about farmland. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should consult your team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincere Wealth Management. Isaiah is registered in the state of Indiana, California, Texas. The biggest compliment you can give to this podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is the platform that predominantly is how people listen to the show. If you have three to five minutes, you like the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review. That'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information, insights, and have the ability for your voice to be heard and interact with show guests, join the private Facebook group. You can go to the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom where it says about your host and then click on the Facebook icon. That'll bring you into the Facebook group. I'll approve you. You'll be in. And then I'd love to hear your questions, feedback, and anything that you'd like to see added to the show. So with all that, thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking again to you soon.